Hey-o! Uh-oh. You came back, you silly goose. Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe none of us are really here at all. It's Texture, the program with two T's, one X, a couple of vowels and an R, and your pal Josh Gaines on the microphone inconsistently. Different days of the week, baby. Still every week, but different days of the week. Come on. Where's... Anyway, welcome to Texture. This week, we're going to talk about writing. Where are my writers at? You could be a writer of fiction. You could be a writer of a blog. If anyone do, does blogs anymore, I don't know. I kind of do. Don't know who sees them. You could be a reviewer of motion pictures or of books. You could be an essayist or an articleist for news sites. I don't know. You could be writing your own private personal memoir. You could be uh, there's you could be a songwriter, a lyric writer. You could be a script or screenplay writer for film or TV or theater. Dude, there's a lot of writing that goes on in the world even to this day, uh, even even as print continues to fade, I, I still think people are going to be reading and writing for quite a while. And so I decided to put together a little list of just the most helpful things that I've learned over the years about the practice of writing. And you might say, Josh, who in the Sam Hill are you to be talking about writing, Mr. Not Successful Writer yourself? You little, you little peon, wimpy ass little writer. And dude, to that I say, don't even come at me with that criticism because you won't be able to outdo my own criticism of myself, sucker. You, you go ahead and sling your worst shot and brother, I've got you beat and probably I already had you beat by about age 12, okay? So just keep the Josh deprecating to yourself because I've got you covered, pal. Anyway, no. I'm not a person of notoriety in the writing world. I'm not technically successful, but I've been writing for a long time and I've learned a lot of things along the way of what to do and what not to do. And so these are just coming from a place of wanting other writers to be good at writing, to do their writing gooder, you know, because I have friends that are writers and they're, they're people. Why, why am I defending this as if you're, as if we're in a courtroom and this is my opening statement? I don't know. Anyway, I really like writing. I like the idea of getting better at it. I feel that I have gotten better at it and I feel like I'm going to continue getting better at it, but it's a never, it's never finished. And if you ever, as a writer, think you're finished learning or think you're done, I mean, that goes for any craft. You're probably jaded and you're probably wrong about that. So anyway, let's just dive right in. Here we go. Here's some helpful tips for you out there, you creative little folks, to get your noggins excited and moving. Here's, the, here's a big one right here. Don't wait for the inspiration to come, dude. That's lesson one. Do not sit around waiting for inspiration to strike like lightning out of nowhere. Just going about your regular life, doing your business, going to your job, doing your home life stuff, and just walking around with this mentality that you're a writer who doesn't ever actually do any writing and just going, man, I know, I know that one good idea is going to come. I don't know who oper actually operates like this. And the, the, I'm being a little tongue in cheek here, but I have known people who operate sort of in this way of like a great idea is going to occur to them at some undisclosed time in the future, some indeterminate time. And let me tell you, that's not going to happen. And I think, I think where that comes from is, is from other ideas, or pardon me, from other movies and stories 
th- these sort of this sort of fantasized, romanticized version of a writer that we think of, this sort of ec- uh, eccentric genius who just like bumps around a cabin all day, kind of with nothing to do, like throwing a tennis ball against the walls, or like taking naps on the couch, and just like messing around with his dog and clipping his nails and and doing everything but writing, and then it's like oh. But bam, you know, lightning strikes while you're sitting on the toilet. And then he, you know, this person rushes up to their typewriter and, and they just bang out this piece of genius. That is pretend. Okay. Some, some other writer somewhere who was actually doing their work wrote an idea of another fictitious writer to whom that happens. Cause in the real world, that doesn't happen. And this whole thing about the muse, I mean, not everyone subscribes to this. I I don't know who does. But this, you know, again, this romanticized idea of like the muse visiting you, you know, like this supernatural almost, this entity of like an idea coming to you from the ether, from the from the mists of the world of time and ideas and space and just arriving at you and seducing you with this idea that has to be told. Get on up out of here with your silly nonsense, my friend, because that's that's not going to happen. It's mostly BS. I know there's a there's a, it, it doesn't mean amazing ideas can't come while you're just taking a shower and that something random does occur to you and you're like, oh, wait, that's pretty good. OK, sure. Yeah, sure. Those can come. Because our minds are crazy and they're firing and they do random things. And sure, occasionally a good idea will come. But I'm meaning don't hang your hat on that idea. Uh, Chuck Close, the great painter, has a quote. I'm not sure if I'm getting this exactly right because I didn't look it up beforehand. Sorry. But basically the idea is, here's the, the paraphrase quote, inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us just get busy, you know, which is a great idea. And you can take that as a, you can get discouraged by that or you can just recognize, oh no, that just means professionals are the ones who go after it instead of waiting around, instead of pretending that they are something, giving themselves a title, the idea of of being an artist, of being a writer, of being whatever it may be that it's it's not the title it's not the romanticized idea of it and actually being a writer is not glamorous at all i don't care how successful you are i don't care how many books you've sold or how much money you've made it's not glamorous it's not this thing of glory and excitement it's quiet and manic and tearing your hair out and often walking away from that day's work thinking I just churned out a bunch of crap that might have been a waste of the last 90 minutes, you know. So anyway, this idea of f- fantasizing about, oh, the Hemingways and the F. Scott Fitzgeralds and the John Steinbecks and these iconic names that have stuck around. Anyway, it's not just the majority of the world isn't going to be one of those guys, but that doesn't mean that you can't show up every day which brings us to lesson number two which is show up every day show up every day you can take the weekends off if you want you can show up five days a week but even if you only write for 10 minutes or 15 minutes even if you only get out one sentence even if when you sit down dude, you are the farthest thing from feeling it that day. If you are the farthest thing from feeling inspired, from feeling ready, you're just not in the mood. You feel, you feel like you got nothing and sitting down in front of a, in front of a computer or a notepad or a typewriter feels like the biggest chore in the world. You know, if you can just get yourself there past all of those mental inhibitions, past all of those mental hindrances and roadblocks and just get yourself in the chair even if you have to trick your brain and just be like listen give you give yourself 10 minutes that doesn't sound so painful even if it's crap even if it's one sentence show up 
and I believe progress will still happen. You know, it is, it's a discipline. It is hard work, but it is worthwhile. And just know that you're not alone in those hindrances, in, in feeling crazy and feeling like your work is crap in feeling, you know, all, all those, those criticisms that we give our own brains. I really think it's important to, to just be showing up every day because even just give in a given week, starting on Monday, you sit down to write, maybe you only get out 10 minutes before you're just like, I'm, I'm done, man. I'm so exhausted or just my brain is fried from the rest of life and I don't have anything else today. I put out one paragraph. Well, if you keep doing that by the end of the week, man, you might have a page or two, or let's say even more, uh, positive thinking than that. Let's say you have a pretty good week and that each time you sit down to write, you get 500 words out, you get 700, maybe you get a thousand or 1200 words. You, you know, you're getting a full page or a couple pages on a Microsoft document or whatever you use. Well, at the end of the week, that's going to pile up. And at the end of a month, that's going to pile up. And at the end of three months or a year, that's going to pile up. Now, someone could argue you might be piling up crap, but don't worry so much about that. If you're showing up, if you're like Chuck Chuck Close said, if you're sitting down and getting busy, then progress is going to occur. And sure, Maybe most of what you're putting down isn't going to get used in the end draft, whatever. Don't, don't even worry about that because the, the habit of continuing to come there and showing up and, and, you know, having the discipline to go, you know, it'd be a lot easier to just sit down and watch Netflix right now, be a lot easier to check out and go do something fun or go relax or just go to sleep, whatever it may be. I mean, don't kill yourself to do this, but just there, there is a discipline involved and that's good. And not, not everyone has that, you know, not everyone has the wherewithal to take the time out of their day to be intentional and to do it once, much less to keep doing it over and over, especially when you don't know what the outcome will be, when you don't know if this piece of writing will go anywhere, if it will be seen or read, that's, it's not the point. It's not the point. It's that if you within you have a spark, a desire, a compulsion to put out a story or whatever it may be, then the fact that you are, you know, taking the initiative to go do that is good. That's good. So you gotta, you gotta trust in that and just, celebrate the tiny little infinitesimal infinitesimal reward i'm not sure if i'm saying that word right whatever who cares of i got out a paragraph today you know and don't worry if it's good or bad don't worry if it's going to get left left in or cut out in the edit don't even worry about it just be like okay i wrote today that was one of my goals and i did it Boom. You got nothing to worry about, baby. Now, here's another one. And this I remember, this has been said by numerous writers and not even writers, by, by other artists, painters or filmmakers or whatever it may be. And I specifically remember Neil Gaiman was on an episode of the Nerdist podcast maybe five years ago. And he, you know, he was he had been asked to outline just helpful pieces of advice that he's learned over the years for writing. And that is lesson three, you have to finish things. You have to finish things, even if they never come out, even if that story or that essay or that blog, whatever, even if that remains in a drawer forever, once it's done, finishing things, finishing something that you've started is a discipline in and of itself because there's another danger that you can fall into, which is getting too excited, getting too distracted and caught up in numerous projects, in more than one thing. You may, maybe you're writing something, but you're also you know, working on something else in your regular life. 
and that writing project just keeps falling by the wayside. Maybe you've got three fourths done and like, you know how it ends, but you just, and, and all you got to do is sit down and finish it. But you know, maybe three months have gone by or six months or nine months and you haven't touched it. And it's like this little thing on the back burner in your mind that, yeah, I know I gotta, yeah, I gotta get back to that. I, I would warrant, and, and it's a careful balance here, that it is important to finish things, that you have to train your brain to follow through on what you've begun. Because think about it, I mean, if you're not finishing that, what else in your life are you letting fall by the wayside? What else are you getting distracted about? What else are you not following through in? What else are you uh, maybe lacking some discipline or lacking some uh, focus even? And so be careful not to, I, I would say, don't beat yourself up. Don't go, ah, you dummy, you idiot. Josh is right. You got to finish that dang thing because that beating yourself up and condescending and, and being an inner critic and an inner bully that that isn't a good motivator motivation it's not a good motivator it's not a good place to start from okay so don't use that tactic just recognize it acknowledge it and go wow if that's true for you if there's something left open-ended that you have in your power to complete then just acknowledge it recognize it and then you know what steps can you take to go carry that out and finish it and that'll be good and instead of going oh you idiot you've got it you know you're such a failure as a person instead of doing that whole rigmarole which is not helpful thinking of it as an opportunity thinking of oh i get to go finish that dope story that I started that I was excited about. And yeah, I got halfway through it or three quarters or nine tenths through it. And I'm still excited about it. And I know how the ending goes and I'm stoked about that ending. And I got to go write that thing because that thing needs an ending. It needs to be complete. You know, it, it plays into that side. It plays into our personal just disciplines and distractions. And I've known these guys. I've known, I can think of several examples right now, people who, and again, this isn't like a judgment or a condescension, but I'm just noticing, you know, there, there's a, a weakness there for them, which is I, I've known guys who start a novel. I can think of one person in particular, started a novel, got a couple chapters in, got excited about another project, moved on to that, and got excited about another project, moved on to that. So just this person is hopscotching between ideas and never carrying out the initial one. Now, that's no problem if the thing they started, you know, they realize it's just, it's just actually not good, it's not going anywhere, and they decided to just close that and, and move on and, and focus on something that feels stronger. That's fine. Of course, use discernment. But in this case, because I was in open conversation with this guy, um, he, he was frankly just too, too hyper, too ADD about it, too distracted. He was excited about a bunch of things at once, but he ended up never finishing any of them, you know, which is like just just starting a bunch of projects and never carrying through, never following through. So I think it's really important to finish things because what, what artist or what writer, what any given discipline ever got anywhere in life by having a bunch of things that were pending to be completed. You know, there's not any great directors who got you know, received notoriety because they did a bunch of partial projects. Uh, Orson Welles did it later after he was already famous, but he was a, a different story. He, he got too caught up in his own inertia and started a bunch of projects just because he didn't care anymore. And anyway, that's beside the point. I have problems with Orson Welles the same way I do with Marlon Brando. Bothers me. 
So yeah, you have to finish things. And again, don't worry about where it's going to go. Don't worry about, oh, is it going to be known, seen, read, bought, purchased, published, whatever. Don't even worry about it. Just did you start it and did you finish it? Then good. That is another small victory. That's another thing to be celebrated. Here's something that is also helpful. And this was said again by Neil Gaiman on, you you guys should go look that episode up because it's not all about writing, but it's actually, he has some great words of just inspiration and encouragement. And he's someone who's been writing for a long time. I don't even like Neil Gaiman's work that much. I think the Sandman is fantastic. I think his novels leave a lot to be desired. I know you didn't ask. I'm just telling you. Anyway, but it's funny. It's funny how Neil Gaiman's quotes, so to speak, have been super inspiring to me, even though his work itself I don't really care for. And there's a few examples of that. So, you know, whatever. Take uh, take the good, leave the bad, you know? So, something Neil Gaiman said was that only you can write like you and carry out a project in your unique voice your unique perspective, and your unique style. And this is important because it is really easy with so many authors in the world, with so many writers, so many people vying for our attention. I mean, with self-publishing, it's just blown up how many writers out there are out there. And we see crap writers who are absolute hacks (laughs) getting getting a bunch of attention and becoming successful, James Patterson comes to mind. And we see, you know, maybe less common or less less in the awareness is, is amazing writers who don't get as much fanfare. You know, have you ever found some just small little writer, something you picked up randomly at a bookstore and a name you've never heard of, and you come to find that they're amazing and nobody knows about them. So anyway, there's stories of each and all that to say, comparison is not helpful. And it's especially prominent and prevalent in today's age because we see these success stories, you know, with social media, with the internet, the possibility for someone to get really well known, even in the writing world, um, those stories are rare, but they still happen. And it's, it's hard not to get bewitched by those a little bit, to get seduced and go, ooh, Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, that became a huge selling book, a huge movie, you know, and now he's kind of a permanent installation in the culture and his books will probably sell well for the rest of his life, presumably. He was just putting out the chapters of The Martian online for free. But they, you know, the quality was there, the right people found it, and that escalated and whatever. And that's really cool. You know, it's he he deserves that. He did the work and that that's awesome. But dude, Andy Weir is one of ten thousand nerdy dudes who are writing, you know, serial fiction and putting it online for free. And all the rest of those dudes are probably not going to make it. At least they're not going to, they're not going to receive the sort of notoriety and attention that Andy Weir did. So it's just, it's rare. And those success stories are out there on social media, whatever. And, you know, it's hard not to go, Ooh, maybe I can just do the same steps they took and the same lightning in a bottle will, will strike for me. And someone will find my stories and then boom, they'll take off and then I'll get a movie deal. I don't know. It's important if you can to just push those aside. And as far as only you can write like you, that's helpful style-wise as far as what you're presenting because sometimes it's hard not to compare yourself content-wise, right? To read someone, whether from the past or a contemporary author, and just be baffled by their imagination or by the cleverness of their prose, by maybe the symbolism and the, the metaphors and the, the poetry of the way they write and speak. And just, you know, there have been authors I've read where I just, I'm in awe. I'm like, how is this a, a human? This is so beautiful or so profound 
or that artistic connection between those two idiosyncratic things is so remarkable. It's like, how did they think of that? You know? So that is a beautiful thing and it's great to be inspired, but then don't take that and apply it to your own writing and go, you know, gosh, Hemingway was a master or James Joyce was so crazy, but he had these really interesting ways of whatever. Take taking another icon of the literary world and, and going, ah, but but mine, I just I, I can't I can't do it like they can or I can't pull it off. Uh, or or even, you know, falling in the trap of trying to mimic another author's style and just falling short, you know. So I would encourage you to just rest in the fact that, I mean, maybe you're not the best. Most of us are not the best, okay? Most of us are probably mediocre or average or like slightly above that or slightly below that. But it's not, it's not this sort of tiered measuring, you know, value system. It's, it's also objective what someone finds to be good and amazing or crap and terrible and whatever. Anyway, I just set that all aside and just go try to rest in the fact of like, I have this idea and maybe it's not the most unique thing in the world, but only I can tell it like I can tell it, you know, only Hemingway could do Hemingway. Only Steinbeck could do Steinbeck. Only Bradbury could do Bradbury and so on. Take it on down the line, but don't discount yourself for not being a literary giant and and compare in the sense that your work is of any less value than the big ones that have been read a lot and and praised and whatever because it just it's not about that it's going this idea occurs to me as far as i can tell no one else has ever told this story before in this way with these dynamics and that's beautiful and that might be just the story that someone needs to be inspired, to be encouraged, to, to unlock something in their brain that is something they've never thought of before, you know? Believe that your work even could have the potential to have as profound an effect on someone else as, you know, some Stephen King book meaning a lot to you when you were 16 just because it it's so outside of mattering who's who's big and who's not and who's selling books and who has a a household name and all that there's beautiful stories everywhere and some of them are so small and quiet and they're not heard by a lot of people or read by a lot of people but to those they are they're very meaningful so here is a great one I love it. I love it. I love it. Again, I've heard it said by numerous people, most recently by the Duplass brothers. Uh, Jay and Mark Duplass are filmmakers. They did The Puffy Chair. They did The One I Love. They did Creep and Creep 2. They, they kind of have this... They have, the, they have their own approach to indie filmmaking and have kind of you know done this whole thing outside of the norms of the film industry. Anyway, and they just have a very unique particular emotional style that feels very human it's very funny and dramatic and very honest anyway they wrote a book together called like brothers which is good um it's not great but it's enjoyable uh if you like if you know those guys it's it's kind of about writing but it's about a lot of other things anyway something they say in there is let your first draft be a piece of crap okay it's all right don't agonize over your first draft, dude. That's what edits are for. That's what going back over it is for. Just get the first draft out. Get it out of your system. Get crazy. Get messy. Take those wild digressions that occur to you, even if it feels like they won't work in the final thing. Even if it feels like, ah, this is getting into the weeds. This is kind of stylistically dissonant. Dude, let it roll man let it be freaking crazy because in 
in revising, in redrafting, in, in revisiting that story, you can gain a better perspective after some time has passed, after you've gotten through the initial excitement, the initial creative burst of just pushing it out, even if it feels wild and, and all over the place. Um, you can assess it with new eyes coming back later. And so just trust yourself enough that you can always tidy up later. And also, don't forget, sometimes there can be magic in those crazy digressions. When you get silly, when you get, yeah, messy and wild. And maybe you'll cut that entire section out. Maybe there'll just be a little smidgen of it that is actually useful and that will make it in the final draft. Or maybe the whole thing was perfect and uh, perfect in the, in the stylistic sense. And it's like, yeah, I'm keeping that. That works. So all that to say, I've known, I've known writers. I can think of one in particular. She would agonize over having every sentence perfected in her mind before even putting it to paper. And I just don't think, I don't think anyone can ever truly be productive like that, you know, or it's going to take you 20 years to write one novel because that's just, that's too much pressure. That's, that's not being kind to yourself. That's, that's expecting yourself to be a genius and to be flawless and to be perfect. And I mean, no writer is flawless and perfect. They can be very clever and very smart, but I, I guarantee most writers who are not egocentric and who are not self-impressed maniacs, most of them are churning out, the, the great ones are churning out gold and even they are second-guessing their gold. So uh, all that to say, don't, don't be like this woman that I knew um, who would who would lose the opportunity to write to just get it out because she was so concerned with with having it perfectly correct before it even got to paper which is almost like you know that's just putting a huge roadblock in your brain and that that's trying to do every draft in your brain simultaneously while only doing one sentence it's just that's not an effective way to to write so if you have those tendencies where maybe maybe you do type it out you type out one sentence or a paragraph and then instead of moving on and continuing or instead of calling it a day you sit there and you pour over it and you you comb through it and scrape it and and you know uh change words and revise order and and switch it around i would just i mean everybody's got their own approach so do what you feel like works for you but i would just caution you against trying to perfect it right out of the gate because i mean dude everybody stop expecting so much of yourself i would say everybody needs redrafts everybody needs edits everybody needs multiple eyes on their work before it comes out to the public you need other people to to catch you on mistakes and or catch you on things that just don't make sense Maybe it, it's really clear in your brain, but you need just another, another couple clarifying sentences in there for it to be clear to the reader what you're talking about. So anyway, just all that to say, yeah, get out the first one. Have fun with it. I mean, writing is hard enough. It's enough of a discipline. It's enough to just show up. Don't kill yourself over the first draft because... You can always come back, and, and usually that's a necessary part of the journey. So just recognize the first draft is never the final, um, the, the final effort, you know. It's never set in stone, and, uh, and actually it's quite helpful to go back because once you finish something, short story or an essay or a novel, then, you know, I, I would encourage you to set it aside for a week or two. Let's say you finish something, stick it in a drawer or, you know, save it on your Google Drive or whatever. Don't look at it for a couple weeks. Give yourself some breathing room to just, you know, give, get a little distance from that story. 
then step back into it, whether you immediately start revising or whether you just, for the first time coming back, just read it. And that will give you just some freshness, right? Some time has passed, some life has been lived, and now you're not so deep in it that you can't see anything else but that story. And that's usually when the clarity kind of rises to the surface. You know, the the flaws in the story, the things that don't make sense, those are going to be more apparent when you come back around to it. And then you can really tighten it up and go, okay, cool. That doesn't make sense. Let's vaporize that. This piece feels really strong and I'm actually going to add a little more to it to bolster this up or just make this last a little longer, whatever it may be. Um, allow yourself the grace to just, you know, get crazy. Even, even if you have a really perfectionist mind that, that is kind of, that kind of knows your draft is getting a little wild, getting a little out in the weeds and, and you're getting anxiety about having to clean it up later. I'd encourage you still to just let it be let it be and trust yourself later to be able to, to fix it, you know, because I think, I think that's where some of the best, uh, juicy, good creativity can happen is just in the, in the wildness. And it does feel like the jungle. It does feel like you, you're getting lost sometimes and maybe you are, but you'll be able to, to come back and fix that. Okay, lesson number six. Six? I don't know what we're on. I didn't number these. I just bullet listed them. There is a difference between working hard and forcing something that is not working. Okay? There's a difference. There's a difference between being disciplined to work hard and to finish something and forcing a story that just... Uh, it feels like it's not working if you're honest with yourself, but you push through because you're trying to do that earlier lesson of finish things. But here's where the here's where it gets a little you know existential, where discernment really has to play in, and you have to have some some self awareness and some honesty to recognize if you're putting effort towards something that just doesn't feel right doesn't feel right for your style or uh, here's a good example and this is a little different but if you've ever done a collaborative project with something with someone whether writing or something else creative or even like a job a project within the context of work or with school like the stupid things in college where they make you do a group project with like six people and you can't stand four of them and anyway if you've ever done a collaborative project that feels real bad and you can tell that the vibe, the energy, the, the creative differences, whatever, no one is quite satisfied with it or, or one person is really satisfied and no one else is and it just feels like things are not jiving, feels like the tone is inconsistent and maybe in that example you can't escape that because it's a group thing or because it's a collaboration, but in your own mind, if you're ever working on something, specifically with writing, and you were excited about the idea initially, and you start churning it out a little bit, you start you know, chewing on it, working out where the plot would go, start feeling out characters and stuff, and then maybe you get a few chapters in, and you kind of run out of steam, and you just go, okay, actually, that felt like a good idea, but it seems like it couldn't actually carry as far as I thought. I thought there was a whole book here, maybe it's just a short story. Or I thought there was a whole concept here, maybe it's just a little idea that it actually kind of, it just feels like forcing it to tease it out into an entire story. So it's a tricky thing. It's a careful, delicate thing that takes discernment to recognize that. But I would, I, I guess I would just say, you know, trust your instinct and trust that, you know, your own taste, your own sense of um, what you think is good, your own barometer for quality. 
just in the things that you've read and the things that you've watched, if the tone is feeling off, you know, it is no, it's not a failure to set that aside. And in fact, it might be the biggest victory or the biggest evidence of character to be able to, to just be honest and be like, you know what? Okay. That idea is not working and I'm going to set this aside and, and maybe I'm, I'm done and that one's closed. Maybe, I mean, Honestly, maybe even that little idea that doesn't work as its own story could be integrated into a larger story just as a a piece, you know, a puzzle piece or one element instead of the focus. So, you know, no idea needs to be completely thrown out, but you just got to recognize if something's not working. Writing, Writing should take work, you know, and it is a discipline, but it should also be at least a little bit fun. It should be exciting and engaging, even if you're not writing something that is fun by nature. Um, you should believe in the material that you're creating. And some people who know me have heard this before. I spent two years writing a novel that was a piece of garbage. I, and you know, some of this is just youth. Some of this is just ignorance and being young and being a young writer and not knowing my voice yet of even not knowing, not kind of having the self-awareness, whatever. Um, but I, I can recall just where my headset was at, where my, where my mindset rather, I was trying to thread in a bunch of clever inside jokes that I knew that my friends and family would pick up on and enjoy, which I mean, that now would be a red flag to me. And I, I don't approach writing that way at all anymore. Um, and I was trying to emulate specific authors and books that I enjoyed, like taking bits and pieces from them, trying to weave those in, trying to weave in different styles. And I ended up just creating this imbalanced mishmash of very unoriginal, uninteresting slop. Um, and here's the unfortunate thing. I spent two years on it. I mean, I did other things in between. I wrote a couple of short stories I'm actually really proud of in that period. But I was so insistent to finish that book, even though in hindsight, I myself didn't like it. I myself wasn't enjoying writing it. Um, But I was forcing it in order to finish it. And at least I finished it, you know, whatever. But that manuscript is now sitting in a box in, in the garage above my head, as a matter of fact, currently. Um, and it's going to stay there. And that's okay because, you know, you could look at that and say, wow, two years wasted um, on a piece of junk that's never going to be seen by anyone and that, that shouldn't be seen because it's terrible. Or you can go, no, Josh, that was a necessary part of your growth and learning as a writer and it it was a lesson and now you know a whole lot of things of what not to do now you are much more dialed in to trust your instincts and the few friends and family who are unfortunately subjected to that uh book that that i asked to to read it uh to read the first few chapters before i started revising some more and stuff um the reaction was pretty utterly clear that no one wanted to read this thing. And, and unfortunately, no one in my life was um, honest enough to just say, like, Josh, this is this is not working, man. Like, I, I appreciate that you spent so much time on it, but I really, this just doesn't feel like you. This feels pretty forced. I mean, whatever. It's a lesson, and... Um, I, I would venture to guess even not that uncommon of a lesson. I think a lot of writers probably have have uh, spent some time on something that ended up not working. And that's okay. You know, it's not a failure. That was, that was of its time. I learned what I needed to from it. And now that hopefully won't happen again. I won't be caught up in a story that is, uh, that does not need to be told. Okay. Here's a good one. Lesson seven. I don't know how many are on here. Seven or eight, nine, so eight, eight. Okay, we got two to go, baby. This one, this little nugget 
comes from Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art, which is freaking fantastic. Just, I've mentioned it on Texture before. I've, I've read quotes from it. Um, if you are an artist of any kind, even ex- outside of, of writing, please read The War of Art. It's just this short little book of almost like daily uh, meditations. It's not, that sounds like a weird word because it's not overly spiritual, but it's, uh, it's almost just like these little nuggets of wisdom and encouragement all surrounding the creation of art and sort of the hindrances and the, and the blocks and the, the resistance that comes up against the creation of art in many different ways. And it's basically just like this little artist's Bible that is combating the things that, that we come up against as creative people who know that we have ideas that we want to get out, but there's just so much stuff that comes up in our heads, in life, in the world that distracts us from that, that discourages us from that, that makes us second guess and doubt ourselves. Anyway, please read The War of Art. It's remarkable. I will continue to revisit it probably every year for the rest of my life because it's just that that strong of a reminder that like, yo, you've got this and don't you dare let yourself get discouraged or um, get worried that your art is crap because that is so beside the point and you need to embrace that the spark exists within you and you need to go do that. So anyway, it's just really encouraging to just get you active doing the stuff that you want to do and not, if, if you're like me, not uh, spending so much time fretting about it. So anyway, <laughs> I didn't even mention the lesson yet, did I? So from the War of Art, he says, when you finish for the day, when you finish your writing for the day, don't worry right then and there if it's good or not. You finish, you be happy with that, you go, good job me, pat yourself on the back, you did what you set out to do for today, don't fret over whether it's good or not. And this may sound strange, but yeah, just let yourself rest and be satisfied in the fact that you showed up for today. You wrote, and that's good enough for now. Give yourself some distance like we were talking about from the piece, even if that's one day's distance. You know, you, you wrote what you needed to for today. Come back tomorrow, show up. Don't start revising and picking it apart. Just write what comes next. You know, come back with it. Uh, come back to it every day with fresh eyes because listen if you finish and you start to fret about it if you start to wonder ooh, I don't know if that was good or not I don't know if that was working you know don't let yourself get caught in that because you're probably going to be unfairly critical you're going to be overly harsh that's not the time okay revising comes later you know that now (laughs) So when you finish for the day, don't ask yourself the question, was that a good piece of writing or not? Who cares, dude? You wrote. You'll worry about that later. Uh, just be happy, okay? So there's that. That's a quick one. Here's the last one. And by the way, this list is, of course, not definitive. It's not, it's not comprehensive. That's the word I was looking for. Of course it's not. It, it never could be. And so many people have so many different approaches to writing and things that work. These, these are just some things that I've noticed that have worked for me that I, it's helpful for me to remind myself of when I get in slumps of self-doubt or whatever, of being overly critical. Anyway, so here's the last one. This one should be fun, you know, which is that making time for reading is just as important as making time for writing. It doesn't literally have to be spend as much time reading as you do writing. You know, that can fluctuate greatly. But, you know, reading should be your schooling session. That should be when you're going to to learn. But it should also be play, you know. Maybe that's a corny way to put it. But truly, if you have the impulse to be a writer, you should be reading. And, And chances are you 
you were already reading anyway. People who want to write and say they don't have time to read, I, I don't, that, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, and you're probably not a writer. Like, sorry. That doesn't mean you can't be good at something else. But if, you, if, if you're like, yeah, I really want to write, and ah, reading, I, I just don't really have time, man. You know, I'm just, ugh, life's so busy, I'm doing so many other things. It's like, dude, what are you talking about? Why should I respect what you're making if you don't even have the respect to, to, to spend time with other writers' work? Like, get out of here, dude. You're not one of us. <laughs> uh, that sounds kind of harsh, but you know, anyway. Yeah, actively reading, though, reading widely across genres, across time periods, paying attention to differences in style and voice and those authors who break convention, but they do it well, who, who kind of, you know, you have to know the rules in order to break them. So, you know, read those people like James Joyce, like David Foster Wallace, like Mark Z. Danielewski. There's a lot of examples. E.E. E. Cummings, I know he's poetry and instead of prose, but um, all these guys had a way of breaking convention. And even if you don't go and copy them, because you probably shouldn't, because they had their own thing going on, and you need to know the rules really well in order to break them well. But that's that's what's beautiful about literature and about storytelling is that um, you can you can bend and stretch those limits of what a print piece of storytelling can be. And so I think I truly think it's so healthy as a writer to go go read the highfalutin fancy artsy literary book that NPR recommended this week, but also go back and read an old Western from the 50s or 60s. Read some old sci-fi stories or, or current sci-fi. Read some horror. Read a classic or a modern classic. You know, Read Brave New World in 1984. Read some Charles Dickens and some Dostoevsky and you know, the, the list just goes on. There's so many things out there. But I, I really think by dabbling in different things, you know, obviously you're going to have your preferences. Obviously you're going to have the books that you really uh, just fly through and you're loving it and uh, you just tear it up and, and enjoy that so much. And there's going to be the other books that are a challenge, right? That are a challenge for your attention or that are that are stretching your mind because just the 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 language of it is of a different time or in a different style and it's it's harder to pay attention but that i believe in most cases it's it's worth the effort you know i read last year or 2 years ago i read the brothers karamazov with a book club it took us 4 months to get through this thing i mean it's 1200 pages translated from russian and if I'd been reading it by myself, I probably would have uh, thrown in the towel. But reading it with other people, that gave me the sort of accountability to continue and to stick with it. And you know what? I'm really glad I finished it. And I did learn some things from reading a piece of fiction that has somehow survived over hundreds of years and you know, was written in a completely different time period, completely different place, the social structure of the novel and the time period it's presenting is very foreign to me. And yet, I, you know, there's value there. There's value there. And uh, last year, I read Dante's Inferno. And again, like that one was a challenge to get through, but there were some great moments. There were some really interesting parts of that book. And so like, yeah, was that a fun summer beach read that I was just plowing through? No, there were days where I was sick of looking at it on my, on my, uh, like bedside table. And I was like, dang it, that dumb book, but I'm, I'm going to have the discipline to finish this one. Cause I am kind of enjoying it at, at sections. And so again, I'm glad I finished that one, but then dude, I'll, I'll go off and read a Lee child book which are just these like American espionage, ridiculous shoot 'em up stories, uh, which are like, it's like Mission Impossible, except the main character never gets hurt. You know, uh, it's just silly and fun. And though that is an easy beach read with just some interesting 
technology and some good fight scenes and like a ridiculous masculine protagonist who never gets an injury on his body and he's just destroying the bad guys everywhere he goes like yeah man that's fun that flexes a different muscle in your brain so i'm sure you get what i'm saying um read widely have fun with it challenge yourself and also just a tiny little just tiny little encouragement uh you know notice how much time are you spending watching tv or you know flipping through your phone in in times in downtime in your free time in your leisure time you know maybe before bed or in the in the early evening when things are sort of taken care of for the day okay it's the the next couple hours are open um this is not an indictment, and I used to have a, a little bit too strong of an, of an opinion on this, and I've sort of lightened up a bit, but I, I would venture to, to say, that to, to propose that time spent reading is going to be more valuable in the long haul for your brain and for your creativity and just for, um, for your vocabulary, for stretching your, your mind and your your own intelligence, it's, it's ultimately, I think, going to be a, a little better to read. Now, am I saying never watch TV, never give yourself that break, never watch Netflix? No way. Because I'm, I'm guilty of the same. I think we can learn from film and TV too. That's also storytelling. That's a different thing. I mean, you might be a writer of screenplays. And so it's like, yeah, watching TV can also be a, a lesson so to speak. You can learn from that. But I'm just saying in this world in 2018, it's, it's way easier to just check out and watch something for an hour than it is to, to take the effort and the discipline to pick up a book and to spend some time with it. And, uh, even, I mean, this even gets into like the speed of our world, you know, everything going so fast, uh, so fast and being so easily accessible, we're all taking in enormous amounts of information every day. I think that reading, even even the slowness, that sort of necessary built-in factor of reading, which is that even if you're a fast reader, uh, you have to stay there and be quiet and scan these lines with your eyes and comprehend the information and then your imagination takes that and visualizes it. And, you know, it just, it flexes a very different muscle. So I'm, I'm doing nothing else here than just being a proponent of reading and how healthy I think it is and how just I really think over the years that has improved my intelligence and vocabulary and my memory and uh, changed the way that you know, given me more patience, I would say. So I'm just, I'm a huge proponent of reading and that can be fiction or nonfiction, you know, whatever you're into, but just make the time for that. Okay. Last thing. I just want to recommend a couple of books about writing that are super helpful. And I'm sure there's a bunch more out there. These are just a few that I have read that I've really enjoyed that are kind of more in this vein of everything that I've been talking about today. So First is On Writing by Stephen King. If you know me personally, you know I, I do love Stephen King unabashedly. I've been reading him since age 16 with insomnia, and I've read at this point about half of his novels. He's got over 60 books published, and I've read over 30 of them. So um, now, do I, you know, it's it's funny getting older, my appreciation for him has sort of changed and even uh, the, the, my ability to, to read all of his work is, has sort of changed to where recently I just, I can't, I can't get into it as much. And so I think my appreciation has shifted a bit, which anyway, that's neither here nor there, but, uh, Stephen King, whatever your association with him is, his book on writing is remarkably good. I don't care if you think Stephen King is a hack who writes nothing but gory horror and that he has just gotten famous off of stupid movies and that you have no respect for him as an artist, dude, brush that underneath the rug and just go ahead and try on writing because it is, it's a beautiful 
profoundly helpful book on the craft. Um, so anyway, just set aside your personal opinion because like him or not, the dude has done this for years and years and he hasn't knocked it out of the park every time, but he has gleaned some wisdom along the way that I think a lot of us can, can glean from. So anyway, that one is great. Uh, bird by bird by Anne Lamott is another one. The title of the book is bird by bird. That one's beautiful. It's great. Anne Lamott, lover. This one is uh, one of her few, you know, a lot of her books are about spirituality and like growth and self-care and and God and the world and stuff. Bird by Bird is a little more straightforward in that it's just about writing. Um, and there's a little bit of integration of like the spiritual, you know, existential side. But that one is great. Um, again, just really solid, really strong. I think anyone who's passionate about writing could benefit from that. Uh, again, The War of Art, already mentioned that one, by Stephen Pressfield. And by the way, I'll put links to each of these books in the show notes if you uh, don't want to have to write it down or remember. Just look in the show notes in the little area below, and I'll put links to each one on Amazon. and uh, Or you can go find them at the library or something. And then lastly is a book, kind of, kind of a different approach here, but this book is called Although, Of Course, You End Up Becoming Yourself by David Lipsky. And what this is, is uh, David Lipsky was a, a Rolling Stone writer. He wrote for the magazine, The Rolling Stone, um, as, a, as an interviewer and, or a journalist. And he would go interview you know, artists and authors and, and musicians and stuff. He spent about a week with David Foster Wallace. And this book is basically a transcript of his tapes that he just had rolling the whole time that he was with David Foster Wallace. And so in a, in a weird roundabout way, this is kind of a book about writing directly from the mouth of David Foster Wallace, who he, again, you know, people have strong opinions about Wallace. I don't care, dude. I think he was a freaking genius. I know he did some pretentious stuff. I know he had some strong comments that people get upset about. I know that every hipster you've ever met uh, thinks they're going to read Infinite Jest and then they don't. Whatever, set that all aside. If you're passionate about writing, I think that you would glean from this one. Although, of course, you end up becoming yourself. Because he had some just beautiful, strong insights into the world of writing, into the... Into, I mean, it's hard to describe. Some of the stuff that David Foster Wallace says just off the cuff is next level, like this dude understood how the world works and he understood how to tell stories and his level of honesty and his level of observation of the world around him is unreal. So that book blew me away. Uh, I listened to the audiobook version of it, which is, is really well done. They sort of dramatize it in this interesting way. Um, but yeah, I just, so all four of those books I gleaned from a lot. And that's that. That's the writing episode. I hope you liked this. I hope you gleaned from it. Hope you found it uh, encouraging or insightful. And again, you don't have to, I mean, dude, you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to take any of this advice. Um, but this is what has worked for me. And so if even one of these was helpful or inspiring or just gets you back to the page tomorrow, great. That is all I can hope for. So, yo, if you dig what I'm doing, if you enjoy this program, if it has been helpful to you in any way, um, would you consider giving a buck a month over on Patreon and on the Patreon page, I will do extra posts and extra um, audio recordings, little mini episodes that are just usually stuff that I'm too scared to say publicly, stuff that's not exactly controversial, but it's just me being brutally honest in ways that I think I would be crucified for on social media if if and when, you know, I, I, I way overthink it. But anyway, those neurotic little... Uh, rants get put on patreon and also it's just kind of this fun little 
miniature community where, you know, I can directly interact with people who really like the show. So if you, if you enjoy what I'm doing, you're probably familiar with Patreon by now because every podcast has one practically. So, uh, yeah, go to patreon.com slash texture pod. And there's also a link for that in the show notes. And dude, I appreciate it a lot. Thank you to those good folks who are helping me already. So that's dope. If you like what I do and you have an extra buck, great, man. Join the club. Listen to those crazy rants. If you don't, dope. Glad you're here. Uh, Really glad you're here. And uh, yeah, we're going to leave it at that. And I will see you guys next week. Thanks for hanging out with me on Texture.